today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Well, we've talked on this show many times uh, over the last however many weeks and years and whatever day it is today on how this has affected us. Virtually everyone, vir- everyone, every walk of life in some way uh, ha- has been affected by this and, and literally around the world when you stop to think about it. And uh, I guess the good news here is we are talking about mental illness through this. And that's probably a good thing. Well, it is a good thing uh, simply because you can't go through something like this for the length of time that we have been going through it and not come out the other side different. When it all started, it was, oh, yeah, no problem. I got a couple of weeks out of my belt. I can eat my way through this. Uh, and then here we are, I don't know, 15 months, 14 months, something like that, uh, 61 weeks, I can tell you that. And, you know, a, a lot of people are, are feeling extreme fatigue at this point. And, and, you know, the debates we're having about opening up uh, and opening up too quickly, not opening up quick enough. We had all of these debates during the first wave, uh, after the second wave, and now here we are in the third wave having the same debates again. Follow the science. Follow the science. Well, I thought we were doing that during the first two. So uh, it's just got to the point where uh, it's it's affecting a lot of Canadians, and uh, many are not okay. And one report uh, talks about uh, one or more symptoms of depression with many turning to substance, uh, substances to cope with negative emotions during a COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, to give us a little boost, let's bring in P- uh, Dr. Peter Beeling, uh, professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Neurosciences, McMaster University, and Vice President and Director of Mental Health and Addiction Program at St. Joseph's Hospital, and is with us now. Doctor, thank you for the time. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, I'm doing okay. Thanks, Scott. Uh, this particular study, 83% uh, of Canadians have one or more symptoms of depression. Does that seem high to you? Does that seem about right? No, it. it uh, sadly, I think it, it would be expected in this kind of um, survey. We've seen the, the trend line heading in the wrong direction. Just about every survey that's done um, says uh, it's affecting us more and more. And uh, probably this is one of those, you know, it's always darkest before the dawn um, kind of moments. At least I hope it is. So uh, 83%, one or more symptoms of depression. What are the symptoms of depression? And when do you know you're you're slipping and you need some help? Yeah, so first off, I think that, um, you know, the the two big signs that we look for are a sad or low mood that lasts for sort of 14 days in a row or more. Um, and and a loss of interest or pleasure um, for at least 14 days kind of in a row. For many people with with clinical depression, it's a lot longer than that. But the main thing is, um, you know, these kinds of surveys are interesting. I love that we get to have these conversations. But uh, a checklist that you do in a survey isn't the same as getting a diagnosis of depression. And in your run-up to this, you were kind of talking about that. Like, we're all affected. And... One of the things that this pandemic has done is, I guess, just thrown such a spotlight on how delicate a balance we're all in with regard to sort of our mental wellness, you know, what keeps us on an even keel. So there are going to be lots of us who are, I don't know, let's call it wobbling, you know. Some days I'm sad. Some days I don't have a lot of things to look forward to. Um, But that doesn't mean that everyone should run out and get a prescription, right? Um, That would be the wrong kind of cure (laughs) for the problem that ails many of us. 
One thing that is, and I don't know if this is surprising or just an example of how far we have come here, doctor, but at least we're talking about this. And we started talking about it relatively early, like probably within the first three months of this when we started realizing it was going to be a long haul uh, issue. But, you know, and I guess that's sort of a silver lining here. Thank goodness we are at least talking about this. Yeah, no, I think, I think, I think it's very important that, you know, when when this began, when it kicked off, um, you know, well, let's put it this way. One of the challenges is, you know, there, there are people who believe, um, um, you know, and scientists, in fact, that really you can only be depressed through a biochemical disturbance, you know, and that's the, that's, that's the pathway. But mm-hmm. I think that this is pointed out to, to, to many of us that, um, you know, the circumstances of our lives can have a, an incredible amount to do with, with how we feel. And, uh, you know, we 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 did we did know this. So if you if you take this isn't a perfect example, but um, if you were to go to a, a place where there's a lot of deprivation, like say a refugee camp where people are fleeing political oppression, mm-hmm. you know, under difficult circumstances, when you survey those people um, who are stuck in a situation like that, eighty to ninety percent of them will will struggle with clinical depression in that kind of a circumstance. So I think those of us who are kind of tuned into this um, as a field have known all along that, you know, there is this sort of delicate balance for all of us in terms of, you know, exercise and sleep and socializing, right, and having things to look forward to. And if you mess up that system, um, things go awry. And now I think most of Canada, sadly, also identifies with that and says, yeah, you know, that's that's right. Um and when we're recovering from this, and as we're, I hope, getting back to normal, you know, in the summer, um, I think that we we need to think about how we look after ourselves. And I think a lot of people will come to this quite naturally, which is super encouraging. Um, but for some of us, it, I think it's a it's a moment of reckoning. It's sort of called post-traumatic um, growth, right? That this has been a big trauma. And there can be, and I know it sounds strange when we're still stuck on what day is this, um, but there are kind of opportunities to reflect on on what you need to be good um, and and feeling good, you know. And um, some of the coping strategies that are in this survey are also kind of alarming, right? The turning to alcohol and mm-hmm. other kinds of things. Do we realize where we are? I mean, as citizens, as the public, do we realize why we are feeling this way, or have we now begun to understand it? You know, I. I I don't know. I don't know for sure. Um, I think that I, well, one of the things that I think, um, you know, makes it the dark, sort of darkest before the dawn is that, as you've said, we've gone through a bunch of waves, uh, you know, kind of lockdown after lockdown for the right scientific reasons. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're feeling creatures and, you know, all we can really feel and all we can really see, even when we use, you know, our intellect is kind of like, boy, this just seeps seems to keep going on and on in some in some way and if if i were to tell you now uh that and you know you you probably have some summer plans i think we all have some tentative summer plans um and it starts to feel like because we've had to cancel so much that that's not going to happen either right yeah it's so it's hard for us to believe in the idea that will i in fact find myself at the campsite that i booked in july and maybe i'll be alone because it'll be one person per campsite you know um, because these are the kinds of experiences we've had. So um, 
I sometimes think about depression as having a broken anticipator, like your ability to anticipate good things um, doesn't work very well. And in a sense, COVID has broken all of our anticipators, right? Because it's just so hard to convince yourself that, oh, it, it'll be okay. You know, I just, I just have to hang on. But I think there's a lot of truth to that, that, you know, we're talking about weeks now rather than months. Um, and what's so different about wave one and wave two and wave three is the vaccines. Yeah. Right? Um, because once we get to, uh, you know, one hopes in Canada, we'll have the sense to get the herd immunity. Um, then, then this really does begin to be over and turn the page. All right. As you alluded to earlier, it's how are we coping with these sorts of things? And uh, in this uh, survey report, uh, booze and cannabis, screen time, pornography, gambling, overeating, and I can't read my writing on the last one. Uh, oh, medication, prescription medis- medication. Uh, any surprises there for you? No, I guess I guess they weren't looking at my Amazon orders because oh, you know all my you shopping yeah, would be another. You can um, judge by the amount of little trucks flying around your neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. No, I look. I I think the, all these things start in a logical place, right? So we're we're not feeling great, and we think about so what can I? What's in front of me that I can do that'll help me feel better in the moment? And you know what? I'm going to have a popsicle or a pop, <laughs> right? Uh, and one's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and six is too many kind of a thing, right? Yeah. So, so so, coping strategies are not in and of themselves bad. A lot of this stuff in, in moderation, I think, is, 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 is fine. It's just that, you know, we, we have this tendency to repeat what works. And if it works, if it numbs you out a little bit or makes you feel a little bit better, you go back to the well. Um, and, and pretty soon you're, you're, you know, you're struggling with something. So, yeah. again, not surprising to see uh, us try to, like regulate our mood, like, you know, let me fix it and uh, have a drink. We've heard uh, scheduling, exercise, keeping on some sort of uh, routine, all ways that will help you with this. Any advice there on, uh, you know, how how we can avoid this? Yeah, look, for exercise, uh, you don't need to run marathons. We know now that, you know, every second day, about 30 or 40 minutes, uh, of exercise is, is fantastic for your mood. Again, it may not transform you into a triathlete, but that's the kind of dose that you need to have a positive mood effect. Sleep, uh, for most of us, you don't mess around with it. It's got to be eight hours a night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Try to go to bed and get up at the same time. I know we all like to sleep in on weekends, but that doesn't tend to help actually your overall sleep pattern. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I hope also that, you know, the, the recent change in the weather, I think when I was reading the survey, I thought, you know, I bet this was the, the data was probably sampled a couple of weeks ago yeah. when, you know, the weather hadn't turned yet and the vaccine rate, you know, like in Ontario, we're getting 1% a day of people vaccinated at this mm-hmm. point, right? So every day we take a step closer. So I think just trying to remind yourself of, of the sort of the rational uh, steps that we're, um, we're taking and, you know, other than your show, um, you know, media exposure, you know, sometimes is, is tough. You feel for the politicians who have to go out every day and say these yeah. things. But, you know, well, yeah, and you one. try to balance how much of this you're going to talk about. Do you want to talk about it every day? I mean, it depresses the heck out of me. What's depressing the listeners, you know? I mean, yeah, we have those discussions uh, every day. Um, 
what about uh, many have talked about younger people uh is it is there any age group that's more sensitive to this than others you know i've got two kids two teenagers here uh one missed the grade eight graduation last year and the grade 12 graduation uh also um you know first year university uh, there's a lot of benchmarks as a kid how difficult is it for them yeah, I think I think it's incredibly difficult. Um, you know, some of those things I think we can we can help them with. Um, you know, I let 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 me pick one. At risk, you know, prom. You don't get to go to prom. Yeah. Um, you know, prom is a social construction, right? It's 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 a thing. There'd be many places in the world where teenagers don't get to go to prom, don't know what it is, and and yeah. they'll be fine. So I think I think as a parent or somebody who who knows a kid who can who can just help reframe this, you know, kind of contextualize these losses. But, but it is hard. Uh, and, and you do wonder about, you know, kids who've sort of transitioned into high school, having never stepped foot into the high school yet, you know. Yeah. They'll, they'll catch up and they're resilient. Um, but we have seen some signs that more and more children are being referred for, for mental health and addiction services. And we're going to have to deal with that. I think um, both agencies like mine and government are going to have to, like, put some resource into figuring out how we how we catch up with all the people who are going to need need support i remember uh chatting with my wife about this last september because uh, when our kids were in elementary school we'd make a point of walking them to school every day or not every day on that first day every year and i remember yeah. on that september going and everybody's in masks and i'm thinking i'm looking at the kindergarten kids that are just starting school don't know anything about what this is other than perhaps maybe their daycare and this is the norm for them starting school and i just i thought man and that was back in september yeah, no, I, I I agree, and and it's it's hard it's hard to get into the mind of a five year old kid, you know, and see yeah. it through their eyes and what what school is to them now, other than other than that, uh, you know, little kids are if nothing resilient too, right? So I think that um, once they get a taste of what actual school is like, which should be the case, you know, this yeah. September, um, I think this this will become. For for some, you know, um, a more and more distant memory, but um, but it but it is worrying, and it reminds us how, you know, school isn't isn't just about learning stuff. It's about yeah. you know being with people, right, um, uh, and forming relationships with with teachers, you know, adults, and and co students, and you know we 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 have to get that back, and I think I think we are on track to do so. All right, last question here. What about, let's talk about uh, after effects coming out of this. And the reason I bring this up, we're looking down at the United States who were once way behind us, who are now ahead of us. And, you know, I was just talking to a couple of our, uh, or one of our Washington correspondents down there is a Canadian who's been living down there for several years and talking about the differences in, in, in Canada uh, and the United States. And, and he was talking about even people who have been fully vaccinated twice, you know, the, the regulations, the protocol is lowering. You can, he was talking about, uh, you know, getting an invite to a party, uh, but only if you've had your two shots, bring your vaccination papers and BYOB sort of thing. Uh, and some didn't want to come out. Some didn't, still didn't, uh, didn't feel comfortable getting back into the swing of things, even though they had been vaccinated twice. Any concerns, any thoughts on the long-term effect on this? Of this. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I think that's going to happen to a lot of us. You see you see news footage of parties going on in Florida, and you just it looks unbelievably dangerous. So again, you know, humans are 
adaptive. And we've now adapted to the idea that that kind of thing is dangerous. It isn't once we're vaccinated, um, but, um, you know, it, it, it looks that way. So I would say we're all probably going to have to push ourselves a little bit to, to put back into our lives some things that seem uncomfortable, but also to, to not necessarily rush, right? If, mm-hmm. if something makes you anxious, there's two principles. You've you got to confront it and you got to control how you confront it so that you're not dropped into something where you're just completely overwhelmed, you know? A hugs and kisses party <laughs> as a yeah. way to celebrate the end of COVID is not going to be what many of us will choose. We will sort of want to go slower and at our own pace and maybe do something for a shorter interval of time until we feel comfortable. And well, then, many have said it's going to be like the Roaring Twenties when it opens up. It's like, well, you know. <laughs> well, the, so the, so they say, but, yeah. uh, but I, I I I think a lot of us will be going uh, much more tentatively into the Roaring Twenties than is yeah. actually predicted. So, advice for people at this point in Ontario, in Canada, where we are, with uh, right on the cusp of getting as many vaccinated as we need to really see uh, the protocols uh, and restrictions relaxed a bit. What do you what do you say to people who are having a difficult time in this last darkest hour before uh, the dawn, as you say? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I, th- I think I think this is a time, uh, you know, for for mindfulness in a way, uh, you know, which is a, a way to kind of try to be with your breath in the present moment because I think that cultivates patience. Um, and you can't meditate your way through 15 months, but I think hmm. for this last few weeks, uh, sort of, you know, just accepting where we're at, making the absolute most of what you can do outside in your own yard right now in terms of figuring out, you know, where's the sun with regard to my porch or my balcony yeah. or where I can <laughs> sit. So you can kind of appreciate that. Um, you know, I know lots of us are burned out on on Zoom, but probably for most of us, social connection is still superior to no connection and just kind of waiting until you can do it in person. You know, I think keep up keep up those connections. Um, and I and I and I still think that there's room for 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 folks to think about. You know, what's a what's a pursuit in my life uh, that that's that's COVID safe for me to do? Because you know. Uh, this is a bit of a silly example, but just to generate thought, maybe you can't play tennis, but what about video game tennis? You know, would yeah, that be yeah. any fun as a substitute? Because that would be a perfectly safe thing to do, you know? Yeah. And a lot of people will say, oh, that's very disappointing. But I think some of those substitutes are, are better than, than, you know, grumpily waiting for things to open up. Good point. Dr. Peter Beeling with us, professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Neurosciences at McMaster University, vice president and director of mental health and addiction program at St. Joseph's Hospital. Doctor, thanks for the time and insight and the words of encouragement. Much appreciated. Be well. You're welcome. Thank you. Certainly, that's an important point as people um, gain access to uh, become eligible for the vaccine is the piece that you could, they're now eligible to book, but the actual appointment is still going to likely take a couple of weeks or more in terms of getting the actual vaccine. The pharmacy channel is getting opened right back up again with Moderna and Pfizer and is expected to expand very quickly so that there are this vaccine in every pharmacy in our community. Our primary care partners, as we learn to work with these vaccines more so, are also um, getting greater access. 
That is Hamilton's top doc, Dr. Elizabeth Richardson, uh, talking about, uh, of course, 18-plus now available to book uh, an appointment uh, to get your COVID-19 vaccine. And again, as the doctor pointed out, and as uh, Paul Johnson of the emergency table for Hamilton said yesterday, um, get in line, sign up. Get your spot uh, booked and what have you, but still, uh, it's going to take a while to get through to uh, that age group. Let's bring in Dr. Ahmad Khalid, health policy expert. He is with us now and has been uh, right since the beginning of this journey. Uh, Ahmad, thanks for the time. I hope you're doing well. Same to you, Scott. Thanks for having me. Boy, it certainly seems to be a, a great sense of optimism that we haven't had in a while this week. Absolutely. I mean, our vaccination rates are higher and more and more people are getting vaccinated, which is very reassuring. And what are your thoughts of where we sit now? Uh, yesterday, I think we were at about 2,100 cases. Now we're sitting at uh, just over 1,600 cases. Your thoughts? We're doing better every day as more and more people get vaccinated and as the lockdowns continue to a certain extent. I mean, you know, we still are under essentially a lockdown measures with a ramping up of the vaccine. So if you're going to look at it as a lever, you're going to see that we're going on overdrive on vaccines and slowing normal life to ensure the vaccines take their effect in the population. And by that, I mean is that the more people get vaccinated, the less likely the pandemic will take a toll on public health and, and, and our health system overall. Uh, obviously, people at the end of the ropes right now. We've talked about that for, for several weeks now, doctor. Uh, and, and a lot of people unsure what is next, when is next, what are we waiting for, what are the guidelines. But still very important is getting those new cases down below 1,000 and the ICUs in the 300 range. How are ICUs doing? Well, the early reports are indicating that the ICUs are doing better than, than before. So we're definitely heading in the right direction. However, we really need to stay vigilant and making sure that those numbers are still continuously being driven down. And one way to do that is that if you have not booked your vaccination appointment and you would like to get the vaccine, please try to do so. I understand there are some booking limitations in the sense that there's not as much availability of vaccines in some of the hotspots, but that is changing. I mean, there is a lot of emphasis there now and pressure on the government to supply more vaccines, especially in the hotspots, because we know that demand there is still very, very high, which is incredible news, Bob, because when we compare that to the U.S., where although they have insane amount of supply, I mean, there is no question in the U.S. about whether you can get the vaccine. The question in the U.S. whether they are willing to get the vaccine. So far, that doesn't seem to be the same problem here in Canada. The majority of Canadians would like to get the vaccine and are trying to get it and so the question for us remains around supply and of course uh we should also point out that anytime they lower the age or the eligibility there's always for a day or two a massive uh you know issue with with booking sites and so on and so forth simply because there's so much demand during those first few days when they lower the eligibility Exactly. And, and, you know, you, you are hearing from some people that they are able now to be more successful booking appointments. I mean, my God, a few weeks ago, it was like mm-hmm. the equivalent of Hunger Games. You couldn't you couldn't yeah. get a booking anywhere. And now it's a matter of just, you know, waiting, like you said, when they uh, expand the eligibility for a day or two to see if you can secure one. But there's also a lot of pop-up clinics and uh, pop-up vaccination uh, mobile uh, spots are happening throughout the cities to ensure that people can get them. More vaccine supply is needed, but however, I mean, we're doing really, really well. I mean, right now, Canada stands as 31 in the world and the number of countries by percentage of the population covered. So I mean, that's, that's incredible. You know, we, we are doing well on this and that the credit really goes to the Canadians. I mean, 
I cannot emphasize that more. It goes to all of us who believe in the science, who are trying to book vaccinations, who are who want this pandemic behind us. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the United States because, boy, uh, watching what's happening south of the border, the story has changed just as they've been watching uh, north of the border. Obviously, in the early stages of this and in, in the last administration, uh, pretty much in denial about this pandemic, we saw the United States go through a very, uh, very trying time. And then all of a sudden, their, their manufacturing juggernaut kicked in and then, boom, they're awash in, in vaccine, and, and the next thing you know, they're, uh, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays are playing down in Texas to a home opener filled with people. And uh, now, and, and I guess we talked about this before happening, as more and more and more vaccine, uh, you know, are available in, is available in the United States, you know, people have said they're awash in vaccine, now hesitancy is creeping in, and the rate at which Americans were being vaccinated has started to slow. Oh, not because of supply. They've been doing all kinds of promotions trying to get people to get vaccinated, uh, but due to just loss of interest and hesitancy. Uh, and, you know, I remember saying this to my wife at one point. I said, mark my words, there will be a time. And, and the prime minister also alluded to this when he said it's about the finish line. Uh, there'll be a point when he can say there's more, a higher capita per, uh, of Canadians vaccinated than Americans. It won't be due to supply, though. It will be because of hesitancy down there. Yeah. And so you bring up excellent points here, Scott. So number one is that overall, we know from the evidence that Canadians uh, are more in favor of science. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we tend to trust scientific advice. Uh, you know, this is a generalization, but for the most part, most Canadians, we A, we trust our government, we listen to scientific advice, we tend to have higher rates of vaccinations than other countries, and so we tend to favor science. That will play in our favor. So that's not the same case with the U.S. You know, we've seen it, actually. I mean, anybody who turned on the news during the pandemic saw that, you know, parts of the United States were not really following public health advice, mm-hmm. were they, you know, at one point, it was really, really tragic in the U.S. what was happening in the pandemic. They tended to do better when they, when they started to vaccinate more people. But, I mean, there is no shortage of supply in the U.S. They have so much vaccine, they don't even know what to do with it. They just announced yesterday Joe Biden that the administration will be giving, uh, you know, millions of doses of vaccine to other parts of the world. I mean, that signals to everybody that the U.S. has ample amount of supply. The issue in the U.S., however, is around the uptake. Right now, they're sitting around 40 to 50 percent uptake of vaccine, and it has not changed. I mean, that's the alarming part. Over the past mm. few weeks, the rates have not escalated. Not less and less people in the U.S. are getting vaccinated. We're not even just talking about first dose. We're talking about like the full vaccination. Like there's less people getting vaccinated now, and they are hitting their ceiling. Will that happen to us in Canada? Eventually, yes. Eventually, we will hit this idea of vaccine hesitancy. However. Right. Given our rates right now, Scott, we're, we're vaccinated at a, a very, very high rate. Has the, we all know supply and demand and how that works. Uh, we're seeing that with the phone systems today and the, or sorry, the booking systems. Uh, do you think the lack of supply coming into Canada has actually increased the demand? In other words, uh, we're seeing what's happened. Uh, we don't necessarily have the vaccine, but now we want it more. I don't believe so. I think that people are, you know, are separating the two from in their mind frame. So the way they're looking at vaccines is that we just need to get over this pandemic. People want life to resume back to normal. And they believe that that is our only option because 
quite frankly, and unfortunately, the other measures we the government put in place were not always very successful. You know, it's uh, full down lockdowns and shutdowns did not really get us very far. And so I think that because we've had this experience, because people in Canada experienced the, 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 the insane tragedy of just being locked up in our houses for so mm-hmm. long with no uh, foresight into what's going to happen, we know that, you know, vaccines are probably our way out. That's not the same case in the U.S. And many studies will publish this and will talk about how the differences in life in the, U- in the U.S., you know, many parts of the U.S. were still open during the pandemic, and it was an issue. We saw it on social media, the people were still gathering. And that, I think, for them, it's a very, played out very differently because they can see that life can continue without the vaccine because of different contextual factors. That's not the same case in Canada. And so a lot of us Canadians do think that the vaccine is the way out, and that's why we're, we're aggressively trying to get vaccinated. And again, it goes back to the premise that evidence has shown us that Canadians favor science more so than other countries. Uh, obviously, uh, people are, are feeling fatigued with this. Here we are in the third wave. And, you know, oddly enough, we've had these debates after the second, after the first wave, after the second wave, and now here in the third wave about opening up. We've got to open up. And uh, we're seeing, obviously, this happen in the U.K. and in the U.S., um, are you concerned that they uh, that perhaps they have not vaccinated enough in order to be opening up the way they are are they are enough vaccinated for them to be safe if canada is you know getting closer to the united states and i think with even the uk um you know i i don't think the majority have certainly uh, been vaccinated once yet i think what is it about 50 uh, percent mm-hmm. about 30 percent in the uk have been vaccinated and then 50 uh, percent in the u.s i guess correct uh yeah 47 i think is around that range right so I think the difference it's got is that it seems like Canada is, is trying to adopt more of the New Zealand model, which is that let's not reopen things until the majority of our population is vaccinated and we have a very good control over the pandemic. Here's what I have to say on this. From, from a health policy perspective, I think it seems like the government is, is finally, in a way, realizing that we can no longer do half measures. It has to be all out, all in you know, full control of the pandemic before we reopen things where we're, we're t- people are tired of this half in, half out approach. And so I think this is why you heard Dr. Theresa Tam say around 75 percent. We said we, mm-hmm. they, they've been talking about the fall uh, because that's when both, most people would have got both doses. So it seems like now we're, we're steering more towards a very, a very conservative approach. And quite frankly, if that means, I mean, I'm the one of the first people to tell you I want out of this lockdown, out of those you know, uh, measures that are very strict right now. I want back, life back to normal. But I will say that if you're telling me, you know, be patient for a month, a month and a half, and this entire thing is behind me and I no longer have to think about lockdowns and, and, and social distancing and, and face masks even, I'll tell you, sign me up because, you know, I can, I can wait another month and a half. But if you're going to tell me we're going to open things up and then in the fall you're going to make me go back into a lockdown, I don't know how many people would be in favor of that. So I think that the approach of the government right now is that let's go conservative. We People are already sort of trying to vaccinate people. Let's amp up that approach. Let's get as many people with the second dose as possible so that we just resume life back to normal once and for all. Are you concerned of a fourth wave hitting um, the UK and the US? Uh, yes, uh, yes, unless... I mean, the only caveat with that is that they continue aggressively vaccinating. So if they continue to aggressively vaccinate, they should be okay. 
for us here in Canada, our big concern with the, with the variants is the Indian variant. And what we know right now, preliminary results, is that Moderna and Pfizer vaccine seems to have very potential good effects against the variant, the Indian variant specifically, and hence why infectious disease and immunologist doctors are urging that we ramp up the vaccinations and increase them as much as possible to protect us against the Indian variant, which will be the cause for any sort of third or fourth wave, if you want to call it. Should we be using the, the AstraZeneca that's on hold now for second doses? That is the million-dollar question that doesn't seem to be getting answered any conclusively by anybody. Here's what I suspect will happen. I think there's been such bad negative press around AstraZeneca. It'd be very hard to foresee how we can actually resume uh, the, the, the vaccine on it. However, you know, I will urge the public a very key message, which is that the majority of the cases about AstraZeneca vaccine is still a safe vaccine. And so if the government decides to resume the, the plan, the rollout of the AstraZeneca, especially people who received the first dose, please, you know, as far as we know from the evidence, it is a safe vaccine for you to take. So please make sure you get it. Uh, in Quebec yesterday announced uh, they want to see 70% with one dose, 20% with two doses before they open up. As you mentioned, Dr. Tam, her number is 75 and 25%. Uh, is Quebec on the right track there? Every province will decide on its own how they want to go ahead with this. The federal government's role, Theresa Tam and others within the federal government, are only providing an overarching guidance on what they would like to see. However, the final decision remains with the provinces and territories. And we see with Quebec that they're taking their own lead on what they would like to see. Ontario said that Premier Ford said around two doses by summer and that they're working their butt off to make sure that happens. And so that's possibly what Ontario is going to lead for. So every province is going to decide differently. However, we must remind everybody that it is a collective effort of the entire country and that not one province is safe until all provinces and territories are safe and are aggressively vaccinating. So uh, the approach and the guidance by the federal government is important to make sure that all provinces and territories achieve a goal. And in this, in this sense, Dr. Theresa Tam indicated that goal should be 75%. Um, with cases sitting at just over 1,600 now, uh, is it feasible to say by the end of the week or next week we'll be down to 1,000 or below? I suspect by the end of next week we should be seeing numbers lower. Uh, and again, that's partly because more and more people have been getting vaccinated, and so we're seeing that immunity being built up in communities. The emphasis and the goal right now for all of us is to make sure that the hotspots are getting vaccinated. We must make sure that the hotspots where the infection has been rates have been the highest are the ones that are getting priority to get vaccinated because that will, will, will really have an effect on the number of cases. Uh, what, uh, I guess the question that I'm trying to get at, Doctor, and of course there is no answer for this, but obviously a lot have been upset that Ontario is still in the severe lockdown situation it is until uh, June 2nd. They were alluding uh, last week, if, if or earlier on this week rather, if, if numbers continue to go down at the rate they are, uh, they can see opening up some things prior to that June 2nd. But again, what are your thoughts on that thousand dollar or sorry thousand uh right. new case milestone i mean we might as well call it the thousand dollar question yeah <laughs> i mean the indication is that once we get to numbers below a thousand it looks like the government will most likely start reopening certain things so it'll be like outdoor patio gathering size numbers will increase uh you know restrictions will be a little bit lifted i am now looking at the bigger picture and the end goal which is complete lift off of things and you know resuming life as we knew before pandemic and that would look like it's going to be in the fall 
if the majority of the country, not just Ontario, gets its two doses before the fall. It could be a completely different story come September when you're looking at Canada versus the United States versus the UK. We may be in a different scenario. Is that? A, do you think that's possible, Doctor? Hundred percent. I think that's possible. I actually think, and I'm too. I'm trying to be careful not to say this too early, but I think we're going to be celebrating our success. Hopefully, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic here. Come the fall, and we're going to look yeah. back and say. You know, look at New Zealand. We're just like them. We're able to gather outside. We're looking at glimpses of that in the U.S. right now. You know, the first lady, the U.S. president is out there without their masks in public because they got their both vaccinations. I would like to say that that's very near in our future. The difference for us as a country is that as a country, collectively, we'll be able to do that and not just sub pockets in in our country. Overall, we'll be able to live that kind of free uh, lifestyle that we had before the pandemic. Great point. Dr. Ahmad Khalid with his health policy expert. Doctor, as always, thank you so much for the time. Be well. Same to you. Thank you. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.